What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know tonight you got faith. In your trial, in your test, in your hard times. Good evening. I'm Hezekiah L. Montgomery, host of The Man in the Mirror. I'm excited tonight because tonight's guest is a very radiant young lady. So without further further ado, let me introduce and welcome Mrs. Benika Reed. Thank now, you. Ms. Reed gave me some inf- Miss Reed gave me some information about herself, and um, let me. She wrote to me, "Who am I?" I'm a creative soul that has ran from God's gifts of prophecy and healing for over 16 years. I guess I would say I'm, a, I'm afraid of titles, but I am a daughter, mother of three, two boys, Joe and Jai, and a daughter, Journey, and wife. I've always been a lover of music poet, and poetry since I can think back to elementary school. I am a creative soul that can find something positive in just about anything because for every negative you still have a positive to balance life despite finding love and losing it three times i think three times a charm i marry my soulmate and best friend even though the enemy throws temptations to ruin true love he's a he he's a single man no children walked into my life knowing i had been divorced two times prior to having three kids but a daughter that will take a majority of my time because of the ailments of cerebral palsy, mental retardation, and autism with SIBs. My self-injuries, by self-injuries, behaviors that place her 11 months on a unit beat herself black and blue and bust my ears with, with her head until they would bleed. I met her and fell an instant in love. I met him to on a chat site that I didn't and I didn't give him my phone number until a long time until uh I'm sorry I met, I, I'm on a chat site and I give him my phone number for a long time we chatted for and on the internet for one for one day and I decided to give him a chance and he called and I told him he had 1.5 hours or one and a half hours to prove you're the one I need and I need to get her off on the bus by 3 p.m. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Mrs. Benika Reed. Yeah. And first, Ms. Reed, I would like to thank you for coming to the Man of the Mirror talk show. And um, I would like you to give give us some information about yourself, Ms. Reed. I'm a 36-year-old Reiki practitioner and five therapist. Um, I have three children, as you know. Um, I'm just opening up a, a salon in in Glen Burnie, Maryland. I also work in a salon in Pikesville. I'm a aromatherapist. Um, I actually do a lot of body work. Um, <clears throat> I love music. I love poetry. Um, I'm a a good spirit type of person, a great friend, and I'm just really good to be around whether it's to listen or to give advice. You know, everybody knows that they can call. Excellent. Now, you mentioned you say Reiki. Explain to my listening audience because I've spoken to you about this before. As soon as you mentioned to me, I'm like, okay, what is Reiki? I mean, if I'm correct, saying a, a word correctly, what is Reiki? Uh, I guess, like, to, to easily describe it is basically like saying it's like a non manipulated massage, which means that it's less touch 
and sometimes no touch at all. And it's more with not your muscles and your bones. It's dealing more with your spiritual being. So if, say, that you had a divorce and your heart was broken, you know, those mechanisms that are in your heart are still, you know, sore. So what you got to do is be able to touch that and not physically with your hands. You can touch people's hearts, but you'll pull some of the the negative energy away, cleansing the whole body but not really touching it. Okay. That, that's kind of interesting because you say you're a massage therapist and also a Reiki. So how do they both connect to each other? Are your customers getting two for one or you're just, that is something that you do or that you see as calling? Um, I believe it's uh, a personal. So if people come in and they say, you know, you always ask, like, how's your day? You know, what things are going on? And you have to listen. Listening is like the biggest key in body work because if you don't listen, you're going to miss something. And oftentimes people won't tell you about themselves or everything about themselves. Maybe they'll tell you a tenth or a quarter about themselves, but never 50 to 100%. So some of the things you have to just go on by yourself. I've been in sessions where I've felt things like shoulders hurting. Um, I felt people with anxiety those things, and when I feel that, then that's when the Reiki part comes in. And so I use it, and then at the end, I'll explain to them what happened. You know, and they'll sometimes look up and they'll think that it's a million hands on them at one time, but it's always in the presence of God that I go in because I pray during every session before and every session coming out. Excellent. Excellent. Now, so you're kind. You're one of a kind because I really don't understand. I've never had a massage myself, but I really don't think there are a lot of people that would be praying before they um, give someone a massage, or would they be even thinking about doing the extra technique of trying to figure out what's going on with that person? And I like the idea of what you said. You talk to them to try to figure out what's going on because, you know, from my knowledge that when you're stressed out, a good massage would actually get the kinks out or, you know, when you're working with somebody, you can feel, hey, you know, you're kind of sore right here and you can feel the stress that's on them. So, you know, I like that idea. So give us an example of a normal day when you're, you know, working. Busy, 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 busy. Um, It may start at 10. Um, You know, since I'm at two shops now, I'm, um, double duty. Um, I usually do a Monday, when, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Baltimore, and I usually do a split evening, Tuesday, Thursday, and Thursday all day, and Friday all day um, in Glen Burnie. Um, it usually starts out with me being able to bring in crystals because I also do crystals and spiritual cleaning, clean, cleansing. Um, I also do aromatherapy um, because, you know, sometimes you can't really touch um, mental breakdowns. And I just want to say that sometimes in massage, you know, you haven't, um, even though it's your back hurting, some of the back aches and the the headaches and all of those things sometimes aren't coming from just physical. Some of those things are really mental anguishes attacking your body. So you have to kind of just, when people are talking and they're saying, oh, I just had a very stressful day, and if they go on about their lives and it's just more extreme than a lot of the time, you know, and they're not really physically doing a whole bunch of work, then a lot of that is like stress. And what I do is, is I go in, I pray first, I um, start with their head to ground them, um, and I also do the third eye, which is basically like it helps you be creative and it opens up your mind to different things and it allows you to see things sometimes before it happens. It's just your total awareness there. So if you're opening that up, then people will be aware of the things that are happening to them. And sometimes people don't know. They're just kind of like uh, just walking through life aimlessly, but it really does kind of have you focus just a little bit more. And um, I do a, a, a visual, um, like, 
meltdown. So what I say is, is you'll have an eye patch on, you'll have all of the aromatherapy to match whatever it is that you're having. So if you're having headaches, then, you know, if you're having um, mood disorder, you'll have some lavender, you'll have some, you know, peppermint because peppermint uplifts you. Um, so then what I do is, is I do this thing that I came up with about 17 years ago when I was a personal trainer. And what I say is, it's like, imagine that you're on a beach and, you know, you're all alone and you can feel <clears throat> the wind from the water because if you have a cool and a hot mechanism, it always kind of heals you in itself. So I let them feel and I want them to really imagine because you can get to a state where you're so calm that you can feel the breeze from the water on your face. You can feel it on your hands. You can feel it anywhere that I tell you. And I also say that there's a sun set, just about to set, and you can still feel a little bit of the warmth from it. And I'll allow those, the sun to come in and kind of warm the muscles and they imagine that as well. And then I say, so this is like your very, very lucky day because I'm not going to ask you what things, you know, you don't have to share it with me, but you can be totally honest with yourself. I want you to add a balloon to everything that has caused you a negative. And it could be family, it could be husbands, wives, kids, it could be a job, it could be traffic, it could be, I mean, those are minor things but to us, but sometimes those are major things to people in their lives when they're going through divorce or they're going through separation or their kids are in trouble, you know. So it kind of varies where you are in your life. But um, sometimes people just get ticked off because paper falls. And, you know, so I allow them to do that. And sometimes it's a lot and sometimes it's a little, but I never ask how much or how many there are. And at the end I say, Okay, and I teach you how to deeply breathe and inhale, and I show you how to let go everything through an exhale, and I do that three times. And on the third, the fourth time, so you practice it three times, and on the fourth one, we allow all of the stressors up in the air. And when you eventually what happens is, is, you know, you can feel and you can see where your stresses are, you know, which ones you said and they're mangling in the air if you've ever um, let a balloon go. And then we get, you know, you breathe three more times and number three. And then um, at that time what happens is, is it goes straight to the sky. And as the sun has fully set, that means that all of the problems that you have had have gone under you know, it's it's gone. It's totally gone. And when you breathe the last time, you take a big, big, big exhale, and that takes all of your problems straight through the sky so you don't see anything else. And at that point, all of the muscles that were really, really, really tense, neck, shoulder, back, mid-back, they all release at the same time. And sometimes at that point cry. Some people are very, very emotional, and that's called a somatic release, which means that you're re- it's the release of emotions. So, And then some people don't know what to really do with that. And then I explain, sometimes you have to stop for a second just to give them a little bit of time. Some people never cry, mm-hmm. so you have to really just, you know, you, you touch them, you know, you don't talk too much. You want God to allow, you know, God, you want God to be in the presence of everything. So you want him to be able to speak. Sometimes he tells me things to tell them. You know, sometimes it's just to be quiet. Sometimes I don't get a message for people at all. Sometimes I get the message in the middle, and then I, you know, I tell them, you know, as I'm told. And before I used to be afraid to tell people, God said you have three people to, you know, release from your body and then, or from your heart. And then wherever you want to go, you know, he's going to bless it. And people are looking at me like, and some people take it as, yeah, and some people um, say, I don't know what you're talking about, but I know one day I got a text message and she said, um, thank you for being a vessel 
and knowing what to say when God gives you the word, told me I had two people to release in my life. I had no idea what it was that you were saying to me. Now, it was maybe a month or so later, I know who the two people are, and I just want to thank you for blessing me or whatever. And she said, thank you, and I've never heard from her again. So. Well, so wow, you can basically say, and that's an awesome, that's an awesome, awesome testimony in itself. You can basically say this is you, the ministry that God gave you. Yes. Good. Now, here is the um, question because I understand. Here's the second part of my question because I understand, you know, what you were going through. And the second part is in talking to me, you said. Why and my question is why were you running from God all this time? <laughs> I think I, I just I I've seen you know I've grown up in church and I've seen people kind of cut up sometimes and I've seen them use the power of being bishops and evangelists and they use those titles and so I kind of was like I don't want to ever be that way and you know I just kind of want to be and, and I always jump on my son for saying normal but and there's nothing normal in life but I just kind of want to be able to he, I really have I don't laugh but I prayed I was like God please take that one away and let me just be an usher I can smile and I can sit here <laughs> <and I'm... laughs> yeah so you as well the people the pastor but, would keep looking at it and then you, you know keep you from Pastor want to get you to do something, but you turn your head because my pastor does that. You know, he'll ask somebody to pray in a circle and everybody head look down, look up, turn around. But nobody wants to be the one that has to do do it. So it's like you don't want to get eye contact. And so here you go. You're uh, yeah, telling God, hey, I just want to be maybe, maybe. Just like, oh, God, just give me the gift of dance or usher, just not this one. And so – yeah, and so I kind of got backed up against the wall um, about two years ago, a little bit over two years ago, where, you know, I know miracles happen, and, and you know, I've seen miracles happen, and I believe in miracles, you know. And about two or so years ago in January, I went to a hospital, and I found out I had speech for liver cancer. So that at that point, I... I don't want to say I bartered with God, but I kind of said, okay, you win. If you give me a second chance, I'll do whatever it is that I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to take these running shoes off. And at that point, it's just been so much better. I'm not going to say I don't get trials, but it's so much better. And good. That brings my next question. You're just you're falling right in line. What was your reaction when the doctors told you? And I want my listening audience to pay attention because I've kind of been through this myself. But what was your reaction when the doctors told you that you had cancer? For about fifteen seconds or so, I cried my eyes out, like from the deepest pit of my stomach and my heart. And during the time, um, you know, my aunt is a pastor down in Chesapeake Beach. She was there. And I looked at her and I said, you know, that's a very devastating blow. You know, you've done things the right way or what you think is the right way and I have these kids and I have to live for these kids who's going to, you know, what happens to these children and my aunt looks at the doctor and she looks at me and she goes, you know what we have to do and I said, I know and she looked at the doctor and she goes, thank you doctor for letting us know what it is and it was like such an awesome smile and like no tears were in my eyes anymore and she goes, you have just given us a piece of information that is vital. Now we know what to pray for. So that was the beginning phase of it. 
So you went from just telling God, you know, I'm going to stop running, and then you get this information, and you're saying that's the beginning of it. Now, please give our listening audience some information on this rare type, which you told me, of cancer that you had. I had the um, cirrhosis of the liver. I had liver cancer. And I had Wilson's disease, which is um, one of one to four people of 100,000 people to get it. Very, 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 very rare. Um, mostly in Caucasians, not here in the United States, more of a European or Russian nationality, um, British um, background. Um, the doctor said that they wouldn't have never been, they wouldn't have never tested me for it because I was an African American person, and black people just don't have this disease. It's where your liver just stores and stores and stores all of the copper that you've eaten or drank or consumed somehow through vitamins or whatever, and it just doesn't dissipate. So what happens is it just stores it and stores it and stores it, and eventually it turns to liver disease, and then liver disease turns into cancer. So, um, and with this disease, you have to have a transplant. There's nothing that you can do. Um, it's nothing that you can cut off and just have your liver grow back. It's definitely a, a terminal disease. Now, let me ask you a question. You said cirrhosis of the liver. Now, you know, many times we say, hey, okay, people that are alcoholics, because, you know, the liver, if I'm not a you know, doctor, I want to be a doctor growing up, but they say that, you know, the liver is the filter. So, you know, how ironic that something that normal people, not everyone gets because everyone doesn't drink, you know, hard enough for that cancer to evolve, you know, did you consider that like a hard blow on you? Like, okay, where did this come from? Because you're not, you know, if, it, it's, if it's a unique disease, Wilson's disease, and then cirrhosis of the liver, you're trying to figure out, okay, where did it come from? How hard a blow was that when the doctor gave you all that information? It was very devastating. I remember the doctor asking me two questions. He said, um, how much did you drink? and tell me the truth. And I said, I don't even drink on my birthday or holidays or anything. So that was the easy one. It was com- it was very complexing to them. But then he goes, okay, well, since that question is over, the next blow was, you know, my dad passed away in 2008. He's always been my dad, and I loved him to death. He's my best friend. He goes, is your father really your father? That's a blow that no one could. I said, I'm not even going to entertain that. My dad has always been my dad, and he was a wonderful dad. Me being as though I have some, I guess, Caucasian dad out here that, <laughs> you know, my mom failed to tell me, but that's, you know, that, that was the, you know. And then he said, you know, had we not did a biopsy on you, you know, you would have died. And the only way that we would have found out that you had this disease was by autopsy. Wow. So that's very gracious that biopsy showed them that, you know, I had this because three months' time I would have been gone. And I didn't even know why. I wouldn't have even had a chance. Okay. And, you know, I know you're glad that you did it. Now, give us some information. You know, here's the part that I love. And, you know, when you were telling me the story, this is the one that thing that led. What happened to you after you found out what you And then what happened to you as you were dealing with it? Because I remember you told me in stage four cancer or liver cancer, they give you 90 days. And they say after 90 days, you're going to expire because there's nothing they can do. Or, you know, you, you might as well just go home, basically go home and die. But you told me, you know, that you went through that, and then you told me, I want you to tell the listening audience, what happened to you on the 72nd day 
when things totally change for you? I woke up that morning. I felt tired. I was miserable. I was sick. I was everything that you can imagine a thousand times worse. And I said, I am not. If this is going to happen, I want to just make sure that my kids, you know, see me in a good light. I didn't want them to see me just dying and just, like, weather away, you know. So I said, we were going to clean up. I washed walls. I made breakfast that day. We ate breakfast. I made lunch. We had dinner. Um, We played games. It was a very, like, tiring day. And towards the end of the night, my son said, Mom, he said, can we have movie night? And they were 15 and 13 at that time. And my daughter, a little bit younger, maybe six. And I said, I really wanted to just say no. And I hurt so bad. And I said, Sure, sure. To cut it, you're in laughter, whatever the movie is, you know. And so I went down and said, I'm going to close so I can take a shower. And so I went down and I got my clothes ready and I said, I want to pray one more time. And I said, I sat down, and I put my head down, and I said, God, I know that you have miracles because I have I've been rendered miracles before. All of my kids are miracles. And I said, hmm. but I'm asking you if you are the God of miracles, and you said that I could come to you and ask you anything in your name and it will be granted to me, then I want to live. I want to live. So I want to know that you're real and that you're listening to me. And I said, so if you are a God of miracles, then grant me life and I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. And if you're not, then take me now because I'm tired. And I picked up my head, and the phone rang. The, like, I, I no sooner picked my head up, the phone rang, and I said, hello. It was a really weird number that I've never seen before. And the lady's on the phone, and she goes, Danica? And I said, yeah. And she goes, it's Donna. And I was like, ooh. And she said, Donna from Transplant. But how soon can you get here? We have a liver. We're waiting for you right now. Amen. So I screamed and dropped the phone and picked the phone up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it was like one of the best feelings. And I ran upstairs and I was like, they got a liver. And my kids are screaming. And it was just like a, a very, you know, like a joyous time. Um. Yeah, it was like the most. It was the best feeling ever, and I laughed and I said, "God, you are such Joseph." Had I had known that, I would have prayed that the first day. <laughs> but yeah, you God, has, God has a way of doing that. <laughs> so it just I'm through that seventy two days. I learned so much. I read the Bible and. I wrote a lot, and I just listened to the doctors. I I pretty much lived in the hospital for, um, I know, the first until my transplant. I lived there maybe out of the 72 days. It was about 10 days that I stayed home. Um, And they weren't consecutive days. It was two here, one there, four there, one here. And um, even afterwards, it was about a year and a half that was really bad. But another um, thing is, is when I got to the hospital, the the transplant 
nurse came over and they do like all of this blood work and they ask you a bunch of questions about your, you know, how much drinking did you do? And that's always a question when you have cirrhosis. And I said, you don't have to be nervous. Just tell us, you know. And I'm like, I drank nothing, <laughs> you know. And I and it was just like I, it was like I lied, you know. And I was like, well, had I had drank some drinks, at least I would got like some, you know, consequence for something that I had. And the nurse would always joke and laugh. And um. So when I went over there, and this was, I actually got transferred from George Washington. This doctor came in that gave me my life sentence. He cried, and he said, I have been on the phone all night long. And he said, I've called so many hospitals, and, you know, you're such a young woman. I feel that you have a life that, you know, that you have to be here for. And you have this daughter that you need to take care of. And he called so many hospitals, and a lot of hospitals denied me. And then he called the University of Maryland and said um, that Dr. Barth um, was just the head there. He said, this doctor has taken you. And he goes, so not only did he render me a bad news, but he rendered me a very positive, and like I said, with every negative, there has to be a positive, you know. So he saved me. And then when I got to that hospital, I took so much blood work. And they do this thing called the melt score, which I told you about. is basically your life-to-death ratio. And if it's more than 40%, that's how they determine whether or not you're going to live and how much time you have. And um, that's also now how they determine whether or not you're going to be on a transplant list and where you fall in the transplant list. And when they got the number of where I was going to be, there's there's millions of people, ten hundreds of thousands of people. And it also depends on what your blood type is. List. The the lady, her name was Linda. She came in, her face was bloodshot red, and her eyes were red, and her whole, she had been crying. And I was like, oh, dear God, did I not make it on the list? And she goes, Benika, I have been here for 11 years. And she's, I've never seen anything like this. And she was breathing so hard, and I was scared. I was like, oh, my God, what is she going to say? I was like, spit it out, Linda. She goes, you're number one on the list. Another and miracle. Like, number one. And she goes, number one, so like the very next one is going to be yours. And I was just like, oh, my God. And she was like, isn't Amen. that amazing? Like, so that happened. And um, one other, like, amazing thing happened. The doctor came up. He said, Nika, I don't think it's going to happen. And I said, you know, and I looked at him and I said, Dr. Lamatina, I said, God told me that if I didn't get this one, I'm not going to make it for the next one. I said, so we're going to have to make this one work. And he Mm -hmm. said, you're you're really putting a hard strain on me. And I said, Dr. Lamatina, believe me, when working with God, there is. There is no easier or hard. It's just all the same. And I said, I have to tell you the message that he gave me. And I said, you're the one that he sent to save my life. And he he drops his head and he goes, Nika. And he goes, I'm going back down there again. He touched where my liver was. He went down there to touch the organ, um, the donor. And he comes back up and he goes, he's an awfully big man. And you're a very petite woman. And I said, I put my hand in his and I said, I'm trusting you, Dr. Lamatina, to make it work. And he goes, we're going down there at six. And I was like, we're going? And he's like, you're absolutely right. Me, you, and God, we're going. And Excellent. So that was just really rewarding because 
I didn't know that so many people pray for you, but their whole ward down in the operating room is Christian-based. They pray with you. They hold your hand. They do everything before you go under. They pray for your organs. They pray for you. They pray for the doctor's hands. They pray for the anesthesiologist. They pray. And I had a nervous look on my face. And the anesthesiologist said, Benika, what's wrong? And I said, I'm nervous. I am nervous. And she said, did you pray? She said, did you put it in God's hands? And I was like, of course. And she said, well, then it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've learned over the years by doing some research as well, that a lot of hospitals are actually doing faith-based. They're adding laughter. They're adding um, faith to it because they know they can't do it themselves. And before we go on break, we'll take a little break. I want you to tell us something about that was special about that liver. Give me about two minutes, you know, because you say it was a larger gentleman. But give me about two minutes and you know information that you went something that you went through so our listening audience can say because you mentioned this earlier about organs. You know, organs have feelings and emotions that goes along with them. So I give you three minutes. Give us a few minutes of what that organ was doing to you or how you figured it out? Um, basically, that's a very hard, a very hard um, question. Because when you go and they tell you that you're going to get these organs, they say, you know, you're going to be fine. Once we put this organ in, you're going to be back to your normal self and I think that's the biggest lie ever because I suffered, not just mentally, physically, emotionally, and to, um, and and I have to say that my donor was not a uh, donor donor. He did not want his organs. His family gave him away. So when you're a willing donor, I think that, you know, you're happy about it and you kind of just leave your organs and, you know, the the spirit of that is from it. But I believe that he was angry and I was sick a lot of the time. And I remember, um, like, almost that is almost at death because it was like, it was a battle between me having it and him and me not having it because it wasn't willingly given. And I, I, I now would have to really be an advocate of people just donating their family because it's not, if it's not a willful act, then it's not. If they didn't willingly do it, then it shouldn't be done because it's not okay. something that they wanted to do. Okay, excellent. Um, before we go on, I'm going to um, let you give us some information about your shop and what you do and where it's located at. I have two. One is in Loving Hands Massage Therapy, um, 31 Walker Avenue, Pikesville, Maryland. And the other shop is Duke's Barbershop Salon and Spa. And that address is 205 North Linden Avenue, Glen Burnie, Maryland. Excellent. So you guys hear that when you, you know, thinking when you're ready for your, um, that great massage from Miss Benika. So, you know, we'll make sure that you guys get the information. I'll put it out on the website. So that way, you know, you can actually get that massage and get that stress down. And before I go on, I'm going to put her on hold for a second. I'm going to um, give a little shout-out for our sponsor, few sponsors that we have for The Man and The Mirror. Um, please hold, Ms. Benika. A special note from our supporters. Music instruction for our learners, where music knows no age. If you're interested in Music instructions such as piano lessons and instrumental lessons, please contact us at 443-574-5491 to set up an appointment to talk to our instructors. And please visit our website at www.musicinstructionfal.com. Another sponsor is Curvy Balls. 
the Curvy Boss Project. Curvy Boss Project was created to empower, inspire, motivate, and change, and change the lives of full-figured women. Curvy chicks are boss chicks, too, not to mention beautiful, intelligent, and talented. Please check them out on Facebook at Curvy Boss Project and their website at www.curvyboss.com. Another sponsor um, is Mr. Mark C. Rose, musician and master piano tuner. Mr. Rose does work in the surrounding Baltimore area, and and I've actually used some myself. So please contact Mr. Rose at 410-215-2696 for your new person in piano care and tuning. He saw the best in me When everyone else around Could only see the worst in me Can I tell y'all one more time, one more time I said he saw the best in me When everyone else around could only see the worst in me. I wish I had a witness tonight. All I need is one. Hey, he's all the best in me. When everyone else around me, uh, everyone else oh, oh, could only see, could only see the worst in me. Does anybody have that testimony? When Trump walked you off, said you would never make it, what did he see? When everyone else around me, yeah. oh, everyone oh, oh, can I tell y'all one more thing? I just need to tell you one more thing. Listen to me. See, he's mine, and I am his. It doesn't matter what I do. He only sees me for who I am. Does anybody know that tonight? Oh, he is mine, and I am him. Said it doesn't matter what I did. See, he only sees me for who I am.
We are now back with the man in the mirror with a live interview with Benika Shanae Circle Reed, surviving stage four cancer. And before we go back, continue because we're going to start to have some of our listeners call in or ask some questions. Give us the um, name and address of your business one more time and location. In, in Loving Hands in Pikesville. The address is 31 Walker Avenue, Pikesville, Maryland. And the one in Glen Burnie is Duke's Barbershop Salon and Spa. And that's 205 Linden Plain, Glen Burnie, Maryland, 21061. And my number is 410-212-9698. Excellent. Okay. Now, we have a few callers online. And um, what I'm going to do is actually ask if anybody has any questions. And I'm actually, I see a few of them. And your phone number, I'm going to tell you what your phone number is ending in, 3219. That's one. Call a number with the last four digits, 8263. That's two. And another caller ending in 9284. Um, If you guys have, if you have any um, questions, I'm going to put you on, and then I'm going to take Whoever calls in or says something first, you know, for uh, Ms. Benika, I'll put you on. And let me see if caller 9284 has any questions. Caller who phone number ending in 9284? Okay. Uh, Caller... And there was another one. Um, caller ending in 3219, do you have any questions? Okay. So um, if they call back in, we still have time. So if you call in, um, I'll definitely put you on with Ms., um, Mrs. Reed, uh, Ms. Benika Reed, so you guys can actually ask her some questions because, you know, I've asked several questions that were really on my mind because when you're running from God, God has a fantastic way of stopping you. Because um, in my series, I you know went for the same thing, and He actually sat me down and made me sit still and do basically the same things that Miss um, Benika did herself. They were actually just um, a time God catches you and says, "Okay," and then we realized that she said that. After the 72nd day, she said something simple. She said, you know, God, I'm trusting you. Take me down, or if I'm going to live, help me through this. And that's when she got the miraculous phone call. And one thing um, she kept telling the doctor, people don't realize which God, all things are possible. We have to remember that that's one thing that Jesus said in this word, with God, all things are possible. Or the question, another question Paul would ask, is there anything, you know, God can't do? But we have to realize that when she started asking those questions, when a doctor started, when, a, when you go into a hospital that's praying for you, when you go into a faith-based healing, they're trying to work with you. They're working with you. They're not trying to. They said, she said the nurse said everything's going to be okay. The anesthesiologist said everything is going to be okay. Because I went under, you know, for a minor eye, surgery. And when they, you know, put me under, I'm like, okay, I'm praying that I'm going to wake up. But to go through an operation like she did was much longer. Then, of course, you know, you're like, okay, you're hoping you're going to wake up, you're praying on it. But when you, when the anesthesiologist told Ms. Tanika that you're going to be fine, then, of course, she said, you know what? She put it all in God's hand. You know, she made, you know, she put it all in God's hand. And God did exactly what he did. And now she's ministering to people through the gifts that God gave her. And, Ms. Benika, is there anything else that you would like to tell our listening audience? I just want to say just don't run. Just fall into, like, had I had, you know, had 
someone, you know, around. And I've had a lot of people, but maybe not with the magnitude of what I'm dealing with. But if God's talking to you to do something, I would just say just to sit back and just listen to what it is that he's saying. The purpose of, you know, him giving his life was to save us. And these gifts that he's given, you know, they're they're gifts that he wants us to go back and and be fruitful to other people and help save other people so that, you know, I believe that, you know, I've been through many and many and many of tests in life, and I just believe that, you know, when people start to talk and I start to interact with people, there's something that in pretty much every conversation that I have with somebody where I have, you know, information or I have a story or, you know, I, I, you know, I try to just help everybody. Um, and I just say that just don't run because God is like the best thing that could ever happen to you. He listens. He's your best friend. You can cry with him. You can laugh with him. You can do anything and everything through him. And, I, I, you know, with men, they're going to be there sometimes. Sometimes they're not going to be there. Sometimes they're going to criticize you. You know, he's always going to be 100% yours. You know, your father, your brother, your whatever, you know, he's your everything. And so it's been many a times where I hurt and I'm like, God, you know, I just wonder why I've been through, you know, house fires, almost losing my kids, having my doctor tell me that my daughter wasn't going to live past 12 hours. Having you know my son, having my son, you know, basically dying in their hands three times before he has to start to die. It's just been so many things that have happened, and I, I dare not to ask him why, but I know that you know there's a reason for everything. And you know, sometimes my life may seem a little bit harder, but it's really not as hard, you know, with knowing that. He has my back. So, sit down and grab a notebook and just kind of just embrace it because it's going to be the best ride that you could ever, ever have. But I'm not going to say that things aren't going to come your way and discourage you. You know, when you start to fall in line, a lot of other things come too. But know that he's going to protect you and all of that as well. And I can actually agree with that. Give us a couple of, you know, you always tell me about that wonderful little girl. Like, just give us, you know, tell us about Journey, how how that wonderful little girl that you always tell me about. She's like the best gift that God could have ever given. She um, just had a birthday, had her 10th birthday, so this is amazing. In her decade and, you know, at birth, um, the doctor did so much. I was supposed to live past 12 hours And we prayed um, The priest came in to Christian her into heaven And I told him absolutely not respectfully I said you may pray for her But I'm not ready to do that If I allow you to do that Then I'll allow Satan to know that I'm giving up So I said you can pray for her But I'm just not ready to give her away yet and um, after that, you know, he prayed, and, you know, he goes, well, you know, and I said, I understand that, but that's just something that I will have to do, you know, and deal with in terms of whatever if that does happen. But I know that there's a God there, and he wouldn't give me such a beautiful little girl and just take her away, you know. And then after that, you know, she got transferred and, I turned my, my mom and I turned our plates down. We fasted so much, fasted and prayed so much. When God gives you instructions, he gives you so much more instructions when you have a clear mind. And we knew what to pray for. And then we'd go up there and I would read to her and I would sing to her. And I played so much music for her. The doctor said that she would never sit. She would never understand. She would never walk. She would never be able to talk. She would never be able to you know, go to, she would never be able to do anything. And out of all of those things, she understands everything that you're saying, you know, and she can tell you yes or no. She can basically show you 
she has all of her emotions, crying, frustrated, happy. You know, she knows all of those emotions. And some kids that have special needs don't know um, what emotions are. Um, she breathes on her own. She can eat food. Um, she can sit up. She can, you know, she's almost even at walking. I just today saw her ride a bike for 25 minutes, and she's pedaling herself. So, Amen. you know, when when man says that, you know, it's just very, very odd and, you know, let's put a blanket over her face. You're really young. You can have more children. My question to the <clears> doctor <throat> was, what happens at the end of our time if we put a blanket over her face? Will we go to hell for murder? Because that's definitely what that is. Mm. And he didn't wow, have an answer. Yeah. So I told him, I said, sir, you do what you can do, and I can't ask you for any more. God will do what he has to do, and at that time, if he wants her, then he can have her. But other than that, like, I'm not putting a blanket over her face. I wouldn't have even mm. given her half the chance of, you know, living and laughing and just... <laughs> She is such joy, and even when you're sad, she'll just, like, you can cry, and you'll be like, oh, my God, you could have such a frustrating day, and she'll smile at you, and she'll rub your she'll rub your back, and she'll put you so close to her, Aww. and, like, it's just the most amazing thing. And so half of the things that we go through, it really doesn't seem like we're really going through a lot because we still do so much. We skate, right. we bowl, we do amusement parks, we do movies, we go everywhere, you know. So our lives are like, it's just it's just so nice to have something. And, she, and, and for her to have so many ailments sometimes, you know, which would discourage, like we, we cry because we don't have the right shoes and, her hair isn't long enough, and, I mean, she's happy about everything, and she's in a wheelchair majority of the time. Wow. <laughs> and I know that, you know, every day. Hello? All right, Miss Benika. You know that. You know I'm actually going to probably have you on again so we can talk more about Miss Journey. But we're about getting down to the last few seconds of the show, and I would I, I commend my I commend you for coming on. I'd like to thank you. You know, thank my guest, Miss Benika Reed, for coming on to the Man in the Mirror and sharing her life story and how she survived stage four liver cancer, stage four liver cancer, and how God is using her to help others please go to the website, www.hezekiahlmontgomery.com, and sign my guest book. We're now do- we are now doing a fundraiser for Rediscovering Kai the Play. Check on my website and hit the Kickstarter link, and it will take you to our backer page. Please support the play, which will be out in the summer of 2015. Our goal is to raise $5,000. So please, again, sign and Support the cause. Uh, Ms. Benika, again, we appreciate you coming on to the show. And we thank the Lord for everything that you've done because you've been an inspiration for us all, for the listening audience. The show will be archived. So, you know, people will be able to get a chance to go on and listen to it over and over again. Because we have to remember when it when it looks like the lights are being turned off, it looks like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. We have to know that there, as Christ said, there is there anything impossible for God? We have to also be able to tell others that God is always the one that will that will be able to do everything. This is Hezekiah mm-hmm. Montgomery signing off. Have a good night, and we'll see you at the mirror. What you're going through But I want you to know tonight you got faith In your trial, in your test, in your hard time
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.